Hi there, and welcome to the latest edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast, which is brought to you by fans for fans, and where the content is absolutely free. It is episode 209 of uh, the Jersnet Weekly Podcast. I'm your host tonight, uh, I'm Colin Armstrong. As I say every week, guys, it's not just the pod we do here at Jersnet. If you get yourself onto the website, you know, you'll find the forums there, articles, uh, there's a history archive on the website as well, so get yourself on that. Obviously, we'd always ask you to promote the pod as well, put the word out there, subscribe to the YouTube YouTube channel, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Before I bring my guests in, I need to mention our partners at uh, Forest Precision Engineering, uh, who are a subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company and have uh, been a big supporter, a commercial supporter of Rangers for many, many years. Uh, We're delighted they're back in the pod. Uh, If you want more information uh, on them, you can uh, go visit their website at www.forestpositioning.com. They also have a a suite in the main stand, uh, a stunning new suite within the hospitality area within the main stand. If you're looking for information on that in terms of maybe giving it a wee visit for a game one day, uh, you can email the club, get details by emailing the club at hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Uh, and before I bring my guests in, it would be remiss of me, I, I meant to mention this on Friday in the in the preview show, uh, didn't mention Jimmy Miller, I was meant to mention him, I forgot all about it. Very sad news that he passed away last week there, obviously a minute silence at the game yesterday, 87 years of age. She scored 162 goals for Rangers and 317 appearances, sorry and was later inducted into the Hall of Fame. And he's probably most famous for being part of that famous team in the 60s, but we all know, you know Richie, Shearer, Proven, Greg McKinnon, Baxter, Henderson, McLean, Miller, Brandon Wilson. So very sad news. And uh, you know the thoughts of everyone here at Jersnet uh, is with Jimmy's friends and family uh, at this sad time. So I'll bring in my guests now as <laughs> we look at... Uh, an interesting weekend. So, uh, first, I'll, I'll bring in Brian. How are you, Brian? Are you there, Brian? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm uh, just about uh, recovering for yesterday. Um, not too bad, all things considered, but being better. I thought, I thought you'd decided not to bother after all. Just thought, oh, fuck this, I'm not going to talk about this. Just bail out. Uh, and who could blame you? Um, we've also got yeah. Dougie tonight. How are you, Dougie? Yeah, I'm not bad as well, all things considering. Um, my eldest has chicken pox we went holiday last week and had to come home early um, and then I didn't make the game because uh, because she wasn't well and I had a wedding the night before um, and I suppose that's a positive outlook that uh, I wasn't there I didn't have to watch it in the flesh although I did I did for my sins sit and watch it in a live stream um, so yeah I've had a good weekend other than the, the football uh, well I don't know what you say I mean uh, a, a result and performance like that is enough just to no matter what else happens in the weekend for me do you that's it the, the, the weekend's a write off uh, so yeah really disappointing game disappointing performance and result uh, I, I think you know we need to we, we need to sort of pick the bones out of, of everything that's happened and, and where it leaves us obviously a lot of questions about Geo and stuff like that so we'll, we'll get right in about it Brian I'll, I'll come to you first I mean I was on the, the preview show on Friday night there talking to Craig and we were sort of saying you know even although we're struggling performance wise the results are actually not bad we're on a decent run of form in the league you know Celtic are starting to concede you know they're looking a bit ropey and they did look a bit ropey for, for stages on, on Saturday there you know there was they were 2-1 down and then it was 3 each and you thought well they might drop points and they get a sort of semi-late winner and then we go on to drop points and all of a sudden it becomes a really shit weekend so, 
we were sort of talking on Friday that the results are not bad, but but, but the performances are re- like really bad. That performance against Dundee is horrific. You know, the performance has now led to a, to a bad result. You know, we've slipped further behind Celtic. Just a really bad day at the office and, and, and not a good atmosphere at Ibrox yesterday, I felt. You know, there was a few empty seats around about me. crowd were a bit grumbly. Uh, just a shit day at the office, really. Yeah, there was a few empty seats around about me as well. Uh, to be honest, I listened to the pod on um, Friday and I agreed with pretty much all of what you and Craig said. You know, I was kind of all for defending you at that point and saying, look, you know, performances aren't great, but we're still getting the results at some point. Those performances need to turn. But I think we kind of went the other way and at some point... When you're playing that poorly, at some point you get found out and results start to match performances. And I think that's what we're seeing now. I wasn't at the Dundee game and I didn't watch it. So I'd heard it was a really bad performance, but I didn't see it. So I was kind of like, not really sure what to expect. And I watched that yesterday and there was just nothing positive to say about it at all. It was just the same stuff we tried for 90 minutes. Just get the ball wide, cross it in, they head it out, rinse and repeat for 90 minutes. It was just nothing positive about it at all really to be honest no it was it was it was it was pretty grim and I do yeah, I think you know the, the the concern started for me anyway when I when, when I saw the starting lineup uh, a wee bit surprised to see Stephen Davis in there big fan of Stephen Davis I'm, I'm still astounded to this day that the, the season with 155 that Jersnet gave the player of the year uh, to Connor Golson I thought Stephen Davis was outstanding that season but I think you can you can see that this season that you know, time's catching up on him a wee bit and, and I think we need to pick and choose when we play him. I still think he's got a lot to offer. But I was a wee bit surprised to see him in there yesterday. And and Scott Arfield was playing on the right wing for most of that first half. You know, you're just thinking, a really strange team selection, really strange uh, formation. And I, I'll be honest with you, in that first half, I was really struggling to see what Gio was was, was trying to do, what he, what he was attempt, attempting to do with, with, with this formation. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, you can pick the bones out of the players and whether he put out the right players. Um, Gio spoke after the match of wanting to start with an intensity. I'm not sure what level of intensity he's expecting when he's playing a 37-year-old in an advanced central midfield position. You've got guys like Tillman who, you know, we were just speaking before the podcast started, fantastic technical player, but he's got a heart of a mouse. He's, he's not somebody that's going to work his arse off and, and, and win back possession. And I think that's what Gio wants from a high-intensity team. When you've got Davis in the team, you've got Pillman there. Cholak's not exactly a hard worker. Um, you're not going to get a, a, a high-intensity team, a, a hard-working team. But then you look at individual positions and you just think it's the same positions over and over again that we've been going on about for three seasons now that need to be strengthened. And we, we're going to speak about Ross Wilson later in the show. But it's just so frustrating that you're looking at who, who partners John Lindstrom in midfield? Stephen Davis, a 37-year-old. Um, you know, as you said, we should be using him sparingly. Um, and then on the right, the right wing, we've been speaking about needing a quality right winger for a number of years now. Um, we spent money on Matondo in the summer. We're playing Scott Arfield there. You know, Scott Arfield turns 34 next month. He's a central midfield player and we're playing him on the right, the right-hand side. Um, so yeah as you said the, the problems for me started when you look at the lineup. I don't think um, I don't think the lineup suits the style of football that Gio wants to play but then there's arguments over two things one what, what is the style of football that Gio's wanting to play and two um, Brian said it before the show started 
that team, those starting 11, the subs that we've got available should be good enough to beat Livingston. Realistically, we should be able to beat Livingston. And, and unfortunately for us, um, Gio has been outsmarted by, by David Martindale, who is a very good manager. Um, but with, with the resources that we've got available in comparison to Livingston, we should be blowing them away. Brian, I mean, the, the first game of the season, obviously, we were at Livingston that day, conceded the early goal, uh, Joel Nubley, and it's, uh, again, it's just that sort of comical, farcical element of it. We've we done exactly the same thing yesterday, you know, we've conceded that early goal, same player scoring, and I just, uh, it just felt like lazy defending, a really slack goal to concede. And like I said to my son yesterday, that, you know, the worst thing we can do is concede against Livingston first because that gives them the opportunity to do what they do, which is basically a six-man defence and, and, and force you to lump balls into the box. And, and you know, they can, they can obviously deal with that. So just really disappointing that we, we lost that early goal and, and never got a foothold in the game because, you know, as, as it transpired, the way Rangers are playing at the moment, you always felt if we go a goal behind, this, this could be a long, a long, long day at the office. Yeah, I think we got out of jail in the first game of the season when we went a goal behind and we managed to claw it back. And I think we were all kind of willing to give the team a bit of a pass on that. It was first game of the season. You know, generally we don't kind of come out the blocks flying. But we got the win in the end and that was all that mattered. But yesterday, I mean, Tav's defending for that first goal was so poor and so weak. If we didn't believe him when he says after the game that he's fit and he's fine, then he should be dropped on form alone because that is just so yeah. poor to concede that goal. And we could have went two behind. We were lucky. You know, yeah, two yeah. Nah. They had the chance. Soon it was, a, it was a really good chance, actually. You know, just, if they went two behind, the yeah. I don't know what, what Ibrooks would have been like because it was it was pretty unpleasant for most of that game. And I, I dread to think what it would have been like if we'd have went two behind. But as soon as we went one behind, I mean, everyone round about me said the same thing. You know, this is what this is what Livingston came here for. You know, they get a they get an early goal and they'll sit back and they'll force us to go wide and chuck it into the box where they've got two big centre halves. They'll head the ball away all day long and we fell into the trap. And that yeah. was kind of the most disappointing thing was that we fell into the trap. That was exactly what they wanted us to do, and we didn't have any imagination or ingenuity to you know, create anything through the middle without just lumping balls in the box. And that seems to be the trap this team falls into more often than not. We've seen it under Gerald, we've seen it under Gio, and it's possibly more than just the manager as of the players that subconsciously they just go back to this way of playing when they're under pressure. That they just start getting it wide, lumping aimless balls into the box and just hope something comes from it. And you know, yeah, it's a horseshoe, isn't it? You know, we go down the left, if nothing's happening, then it goes back to the centre the centre half and out to the right. And then we find a position where we can cross that into the box. That just seems to be that 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 literally seems to be the, the sort of what's the word identity that we have at the moment, if if you want to call it that. that that's exactly what the Fire Nord fans complained about when when we heard, yeah. you know, them speaking when, when Gio got the job. We'd heard a few of them speaking and they said the same thing that um, this is the, the kind of reason that they were kind of getting fed up with him and they kind of wanted a change when he when he left there. And we're sort of seeing that now. This appears to be the way Gio wants to play, is this kind of slow, patient build-up, um, passing it round the back, kind of no pace, no real intensity about it. 
and just kind of don't know where you go from that. I can't see how he takes us from this to where we need to get to to start, you know, being competitive against Celtic and ultimately winning the league. Dougie, the, one, one of the things that, that, that really worried me yesterday was, you know, when we go a goal behind, whenever Rangers ever go a goal behind, the, the one thing you're looking for is as a reaction, you know, you, you look for a, a, an increase in the, the tempo and the urgency and okay, we're a goal behind, we now need two. Uh, and I just, I just didn't see it. There was just absolutely no reaction. It just seemed to be the same, the, the, the same stuff as, as sort of Brian was talking about there, going down one side, coming back and down the other, lumping it into the box. The same sort of turgid, slow tempo, slow pace, no urgency. And you're looking at it thinking... You know, I, th- I think I looked at the, the the scoreboard after half an hour. I was like, they've been they've been leading for like the best for best part of half an hour, you know, because they scored within three minutes. And I'm yet to see any sort of evidence that this Rangers team is worried about that. You know, the, the, they don't seem to be up in it. They don't seem to be, you know, trying to create things, getting behind, you know, the, the fullbacks and turning defenders and all that kind of thing. It was just the same stuff over and over again. No sort of increase in urgency or tempo or anything like that. And I know we've got to look at Gio and we will, but I also look at the players and think, well, do you do you actually want to win this league? You know, if if if, if you're only reacting to, to going a goal down, then may as well chuck it. Yeah, bang on. Um, I think Brian covered the, the tactical element. I think in terms of that slow, patient football that, that that we all witnessed for the first half, I think that's how Gio is asking the players to play. So I think they are technically executing what their managers are. Not as well as what he wants, obviously, but I think he wants a horseshoe. I think he wants that patient, slow build-up where you you create chances through through retaining possession, which is not pleasing on the eye, and I'm sure we'll come on to it later on. Um, but whilst that can be said, it needs to be said that these players carry responsibility. You know, this is a group of players that have delivered two memorable moments that will live with me for a lifetime. You know, the core group of this team, 155, that stopped 10 in a row, and it's the same group of players that got to a Europa League final, which is arguably my favourite ever moment as a Rangers supporter. So this core group of players have delivered two amazing moments for me as a, as a Rangers fan. But they've let us down time and time again. And I think a large part of that is leadership. I think when you look through that starting 11 yesterday, it was just lacking leadership. Um, and it surprises me sometimes when you lack leadership because you've got all different types of leaders. And on the park yesterday, you've got McGregor, you've got Tavernier, you've got Lundstrom, you've got Davis. You know, these are all experienced footballers that know what it takes to win, that, that want to be here, that have been here for a number of years. Oh, but it was just, as you say, it was just nobody grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck. And I think that's probably it for me, is we probably lack that that um, ownership, that responsibility, that accountability, more in the final thought of somebody who can just um, get the ball and make things happen. You know, you go back to the other um, nine-in-a-row campaign. In that kind of game, at half-time, you'd be, you'd be going around and pushing someone like Gaza, and, and they would literally just get the ball and make things happen on their own. Um, we don't have that in this current team. I've seen Frank had put out in the forum asking who the man of the match was. Um, ben Davies w- was excellent. He got the, the Jersnet man of the match. I actually thought it was Ryan Kent's best performance in a number of weeks as well. But he's the only player for me that's capable of something just getting the ball and, and, and running forward. I've already been critical of Malik Tillman 
there was large periods of the game that Tillman, you would not know that Tillman was on the pitch. And, and I think that's the issue for me, is some of these guys, whilst they've got the technical ability, whilst they're good footballers, they need to want to win. They need to want to put the ball in the back of the net and we need to see more from these players. It, it kind of struck me, like... It was my son that pointed out yesterday. Every time the ball was in the penalty box, like a goal kick or something like that, McGregor is the only one that shows any level of urgency. You know, he's the one that's like, give me the ball. You know, let's get this moving. And the minute he, you know, passes it out to the fullback or, or, or goes long or whatever, then the tempo comes back down. And you're thinking, a forty-year-old goalkeeper is the only guy that that shows like he's got any sort of desire or urgency. What? It was funny you say that. Actually, I thought you were going to say something else, which was. We spoke about the 73 crosses. Do you know every single time a ball was crossed in the box, it, it, it almost almost went to the almost always went to the back post. When it was going to the back post, the winger was never there. If it was Barisic putting the ball onto the back post, Scott Arthur was never there. He was always in the middle of the box. So I think urgency was terrible. Um but I just think that the, the whole team shape just now is is poor as well. Um, you know, we spoke about the the the, the start on eleven. One thing I forgot to mention in there is Scott Wright had a blinder against Dundee. Yeah. Yes, we were tortured against Dundee. We were booed off the pitch. But it was this. The rumour is he was carrying a slight knock. Um, he didn't make the start in 11. I thought Bonner wasn't that bad considering um, a lot I of the time. I thought Bonner played well yesterday. I would actually, I would have, I would have argued that Bonner was in a shout for my match in my opinion. But yeah, whole, do you have opinions? Games. Yeah, definitely. I thought Borna, um, for once, didn't always look for McGregor when he was running towards goal. Um, but the other player for me was, was Scott Wright. You know, I was just saying, for, for me, Scott Wright against Dundee was somebody that, that wanted to go forward. He wanted to make things happen. He was in the he was in the right place at the right time. And when I seen Scott Arfield at right wing, I thought, a bit unusual. And then I think you've got to feel a bit unfortunate for Scott Wright that when Scott, when, when Scott uh, Arfield's been um, taken off, the, 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 you know, at certain points we've had Matondo, Sakala, Roof all on the pitch, but the guy who put in a an excellent performance midweek hasn't got any minutes. That for me is on the manager. The manager, some of the decisions that he makes sometimes with the starting eleven, the subs are baffling. They really are baffling. Brian, I, I mean, the second half. I mean, at halftime, I say to my son. I'm, I'm kind of with Dougie in this. I, I was a wee bit surprised Scott Wright didn't start yesterday. You know, when you consider the opposition and the fact that he, he, he had quite a decent game uh, on Wednesday night. I know a lot of supporters don't like him. I know he's limited. I know he's not the answer. But given, I think, that right side is killing us at the moment. You know, we're, we're, we've just got nothing down there at all. If you were to offer me Scott Arfield <laughs> down that, that right-hand side or Scott Wright, I think I'd be taking Scott Wright because he gives you that sort of pace, urgency, that kind of thing. So I said to my son at halftime, I'd take Stephen Davis off. I'd move uh, Arfield into that attacking midfield role, the sort of number 10 or whatever you want to call it. And I'd bring Scott Wright on. And he brought on Matondo. I was a wee bit surprised at that. A wee bit surprised at uh, Leon King going off as well. But, you know, we'll, 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 we'll leave that one for now. So second half slightly, but I thought we started well in the second half. First five minutes, a wee bit improvement. It was slowly sort of slip into the, the usual pace and uh, tempo and you know all the stuff that we've been sp- speaking about earlier on tonight get get the sort of equaliser late on and then then the urgency comes you know all of a sudden they start creating chances left right and centre and we arguably should have got the winner we, we lunged from right to the death of that header he, sh- he should get it on target 
and and given where the keeper was, I think if he gets on target, it, it goes in. But you're thinking like the last sort of six seven minutes, I'm like, why weren't why weren't he's playing like this the, the full game? You know, what I mean, if you played like this the full game, you'd have won the game. And I, I, I mean, I don't think we can argue with the result. I really don't. I don't think we've done enough to win it yesterday. But I'm looking at the last sort of seven minutes, you know, because of Livingston's horrific time wasting and because we have ball boys that every time the ball went out there was a bit bloody seven balls getting chopped back on the part which which helped him to do their time wasting but, but I, I just thought why did he not show that urgency in that tempo for longer especially in that second half I think if they'd done that they'd have won the game yeah everybody in that last kind of six or seven minutes when we did start to show that urgency in that tempo everybody around about me was saying well where was this for the, yeah, yeah, the last yeah. 90 minutes that was the attitude and it just I mean I don't really know I kind of expected we went one down early so I was thinking you know we went one down I thought hey, there's no panic stations here we've got you know 85 plus minutes to to sort this and I thought we would pin them back and we'd be raining shots in on their goalkeeper and you know the pressure would tell and they would cave at some point but we never really built up that sustained period of pressure we never looked like really pinning them back to the edge of the box and playing quick one-twos around the box to try and get in or even making their keeper work I can't really remember sustained kind of shots that we had on their goal when their keeper making wonder saves or anything like that it was all just hopeful balls into the box hoping that Cholak would get his head on the end of it because he's the biggest player in there and if we put it in a general area where he is then hopefully he'll get in there forgetting that they've got two massive centre halves that will just eat yeah. it up all day and then I thought his subs were kind of a bit desperate I mean he just kind of threw on Roof and Morelos and thought right I'll put two extra attackers on if we get you know surely something will happen I wasn't I didn't really feel that there was a plan behind the subs I mean he brings Matondo on and then takes him off again now for yeah. me that's that writes a player's career off at a club when you do that when you sub a sub you know that's considered one of the kind of most things for to happen to a player in terms yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Your confidence and there, 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 there is an argument I have seen people online suggesting he was hands up. I didn't think that was the case. I'm with you. I, I just think he, he had such a stinkery a game and he thought I it's thought not it working. An, an indictment Get, on, on how he was playing or how Gio yeah. thought he was playing. Yeah. Um, and I thought I was actually I'm surprised not more has been made of that because I thought you know there's a what rumour three million pound signing and. He's brought him on and then, what, 20 minutes, half an hour later, he's taken him off again. I mean, that's yeah. that's quite the statement for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, I mean, uh, maybe we'll get confirmation in, in Gio's press conference, you know, going up to the, the Napoli game. But, but certainly where I was, the feeling was, it didn't look like he was injured. You know, the feeling was he's just had an absolute stinker. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what comes out. Uh, Dougie, uh, sending off in the second half, you know, it was the first day of our being used in Scotland uh, at, at Morgan Boys tackle on Morelos I thought I thought even in the Govan I'm in the Govan rear I, I thought at the time it looked a red so how the referee thought it was a yellow I don't know I thought it was really high straight leg could have done him some real damage so went to VAR so the, the, the yellow card's been upgraded from a yellow to, to a red so first day it's been used uh, domestically at Ibrox uh, did you feel it was a success because one thing I will say, I mean, there was no major issues. I did think at our goal, we were waiting an awful long time to get confirmation. You know, the referee wasn't kicking off the game, standing with his finger in his ear, but nothing on the screens to say there was a goal check going on. 
and you're thinking, the fuck's going on here? And and just the way things are at the moment, you think, no, this is going to be chopped off, no doubt. So that would be the only mild grumbling I would have about it. But overall, you would have to say it worked okay. Eventful day for Bar in Scottish football. Um, I, I get what you're saying about the um, the time. I, I, I watched the highlights. I watched the Celtic game live um, for my sins. And I think there was delays across every game in Scottish football when the referees were making the decision. But for me, and I, and I get that it's frustrating when you're inside the stadium uh, and you don't know what's happening. But for me, it's about getting the right decision and taking the boys' challenge on, um, on Morelos in isolation. For me, that's the type of challenge that we've seen unpunished over the past couple of years that's, that's put some of our players out for long term. You look at the injuries to Graham Dorans and Ryan Jack, it was because of reckless, out-of-control challenges. And I'm, I'm with you, Colin. I think, at first glance, the studs are up. It hits, it hits Morelos in the shin. I think it's a clear red card. And um, David Martindale agreed that it was a sending off. And I think with VAR, what VAR's doing is it's allowing the referee to look at instance um, a second time and, and, and make a decision on it. I don't want to talk too much about Celtic, but um, you look at the Hearts game, for example, and the penalty that they had, you look at that again in isolation. When I seen it first time, I thought Stonewall penalty. The referee didn't give it. It was flagged back by VAR. VAR looked at it. They gave the decision. For me, that's that's the benefit of VAR, um, is it should allow officials to get the decision right. Maybe not first time, um, but it means that the decision's right and um, it should hopefully... Um, I should hopefully make sure that there's no major talking points about decisions being missed. Have, have you not been watching much of the day for the last two, three years? No, I mean, it's uh, pretty know, much was, every week, but... Uh, I, was, you know, I, was we'll up, I was setting you up for Chris Sutton there. Honestly, I, 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 I love the narrative that's coming out across the outside of the city. It's almost like it was rehearsed, Colin, where they thought, we are going to get, finally, um, people are going to realise that we are getting favourable decisions by the officials. We're going to get one against us, i.e. the Hearts penalty. And what we're going to do is we're going to kick up a stink about it so that it puts officials under pressure for the next time they're reviewing one of our incidents. It's, it's, it's a Celtic playbook over and over again. And it's something that they do well. They manage the narrative. They put pressure under the officials. And it's something I've been very critical of us for because we don't do it. For me, we are far too nice. Ryan, uh, I mean, I don't want to go on about this too much because, you know, we want to focus on Rangers rather than Celtic, but I was a bit pissed off when I was, I was sort of catching up on Twitter this morning, you know, and Sutton and Hartson came out with the identical comment, you know, Celtic had to beat two teams today, they had to beat Hearts, they had to beat uh, VAR, Tom Boyd doing his usual pish. It does feel orchestrated, you know what I mean? Day one of VAR, Celtic win, they extend uh, their, their lead at the top of the table and they're still putting pressure on officials and, and, and moaning about things uh, from a sort of referee's perspective. It, it does, it feels orchestrated in a sort of deliberate attempt to put pressure on. Yeah, I mean, we've seen this movie before. They kind of get, get the narrative out there early and then, you know, when they're not doing so well, they can kind of peddle that narrative again. Yeah. And, you know, it's easier to, to get that narrative out there when they're winning. It doesn't look like sour grapes. So, I mean, in many ways, they're, they're kind of clever about it. It's probably something Rangers haven't done well enough in terms of controlling the media and getting the narrative out there. And we know that guys like Sutton and Hartson are kind of they're fed these lines and we know where it comes from. And, you know, it's no surprise when they, when they say that, you know, Sutton's a totally different pundit when he pundits for English football than what he is. Yeah, 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 he is. 
Yeah. And you know, it's it's not even you know they don't even try to hide it. Really, it's it's fairly obvious. So it wasn't really a surprise to me when I seen comments from Sutton and Hartson and others about you know Celtic playing two beating two teams on Saturday. You know, it's just to be expected to be honest. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, what you're saying there about Sutton, I mean, on the Monday night club, he's, he's completely different. The only time he, he gets that sort of, the Sutton that we know is, is, is when he's talking about Celtic. Uh, so yeah, it just kind of pissed me off a little bit this morning. But anyway, right, uh, Brian, on to the, the sort of hot topic, uh, Gio, you know, his position, you know, a, another really, really bad performance. And I, I don't think we can we can understate that. Myself and Craig were talking about performance versus results on Friday as I said earlier on and I, I think you can argue domestically the results have been decent apart from the, the Celtic games obviously a bad one but you know another really poor performance uh, really struggling to understand what his, his sort of philosophy is his identity is I, I think there's a feeling that and when it comes to team selection he's just throwing enough shit at the wall and hoping something that sticks you know team booed off at half time booed off at full time I really sort of horrible atmosphere at Ibrox yesterday the longer the game went on he sort of admitted himself yesterday in the press conference that he's under pressure uh, I think David Martindale made a comment that was quite damning saying we knew what they would do they're just going to get it wide lump balls into the box you know it's it's when you read it like that it's pretty poor however you know I think I read a stat today that we're actually better off points wise now than we were at this point last season and uh, you know, our, our, our domestic form's been been pretty decent of late. It's I I don't know where I am with you. You know, I'm not I'm not defending on any stretch of the imagination because I, I can't watch football like that for a, for a for a full season. I don't think I'll be able to watch performances like that for the full winter, let alone the full season. But you know, I'm 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 thinking of it from the board's point of view. If if you sit down and, and speak to him and say, right, we're not very happy, you know, he's going to say, well, you know, I got used to a European final, uh, I, I won the Scottish Cup, I qualified for the Champions League, and I'm only four points behind Celtic, and I've got an injury list as long as my arm. Once, once the players come back, I think we're in a we're in a better place to move forward. So it's, I just don't know. I I, I mean, I'm hearing a lot of people saying he should go. I'm not convinced. I'm not. I'm not convinced he's the right man, but I'm also not convinced that he should go. Where, where, where are you on on this? I'm a bit like you in that I struggle with it purely for the reason that, much like everyone, you know, I really want you to succeed. He gave me one of the best nights I've ever had following Rangers last season, and Leipzig at home, and that was his yeah, team yeah, yeah. that gave me that, and that will live with me forever. Um, that night, I mean, that was just incredible. But for me. It's getting to the stage where when we look at performances and if we're being realistic and we look at where we're at and where we need to get to to be really serious challengers here, I just don't see how we can turn it around to go from the style of play that we're playing just now to what we need to be playing, to be scoring goals and really putting these teams to the sword. I just don't see how that's quite a drastic change for me and I don't see how he gets there, to be honest. I think it's getting to the stage of a when rather than if. And if we look at the fixtures we've got coming up, you know, we're only going to Naples on Wednesday. You know, I'm sure that'll be, <laughs> I'm sure that'll be a, a straightforward one and then we'll get Aberdeen <sighs> on Saturday. And you, nobody can tell me that Jim Goodwin's not going to look at that game on Saturday and play a similar style 
and he'll have his team right up for it. You know, we know where we know where Jim Goodwin's allegiances lie. He won't need any extra motivation to try and get one over in Rangers. Um, so I can see that being a tough a tough task as well. And I just I just don't see how it gets you know, as good as it kinda needs to get to for us yeah. to get to where we want to get to this season, there needs to be a massive, massive improvement from the point we're at just now and I just don't see Again, in terms of if he does go, uh, I mean, who do, it's, it's one thing saying we need to get rid of this guy; he's not good enough. But who do we get? Who do we who do we bring in to, play, to replace him? I've I've got to be honest with you. I mean, I'm of an age when a Rangers manager left; it was usually someone who was managing another Scottish club that that, that took the job, and so you always had a rough idea. Uh, who who was coming in? We're now at this stage where it's you know it's international managers and all that kind of thing. I don't have enough knowledge of the you know what the current market is in terms of managers that are available. So who do we bring in? Because that uh, as as it looks to me, I mean I've, I've heard people talking about Michael Beale. I don't think that's happening. I, I think he should, if he's turning down Wolves, if he's turning down the Premier League, I don't think he, he's, he's going to come back to Rangers. You know, I, I just can't see who, who, who we're going to bring in? Yeah, I think before I talk about replacements, um, I'm going to agree with both of you and say, you know, I was I was thinking about um, what I was going to say when I on the pod tonight about Gio, and, and I'm still on the fence because for everything that you've mentioned about his win rate, um, the Europa League last season, the fact that he won silverware, we're only four points behind the injury list. I'm, I'm still on the fence about where the future lies on Geo. But the reality is that when you lose the supporters, there's no coming back. And we've just seen it down down at Aston Villa with Steven Gerrard, that when the fans started singing, get out of our club, the board had to act. And I think when you've mentioned it there, Brian, when you look at the fixtures ahead, I, I, I see a tough week for us. I think Naples is going to be is going to be a sore one. Um, and Aberdeen are a team on form, I think. I think next weekend um, has has a huge weekend written all over it. And I think if we do drop points, I think that, that signals the end for Gio. Um, and I will feel very sad about it whilst I'm sitting here really angry at the current position that we're in because Stephen Gerrard spoke about fixing the roof whilst the sun is still shining and we failed to do that. Um, I'm angry because of we're in this position where we've got a manager who's, who's led us to a European final, who's delivered one of the best moments in my lifetime and for me, he's not been back in the summer. We've got a massive injury list that we're now talking about getting rid of him. So I, I, I really struggle. Um, but what I will say about his replacement, and I think it's where Gio and Gerard differ so so significantly. Gerard just had this, this leadership, this passion that I think as supporters, we all really bought into to Steven Gerrard and he really motivated us. Gio is very different. You know, he's, he's, um, he's much more continental in his relaxed approach and he is pretty chilled. He's a, he's a pretty um, laid-back guy um, and, and therefore some of his press conferences at times can be a bit dull and you just think, how does that translate into, um, you know, pre-match pep talks? <laughs> you know, is, is, he, is he inspiring confidence amongst the team to go out there and, and really get the results? So if, if we're looking at replacements, I think the point I'm making is it needs to be a strong character. It can't be another um, laid-back, you know, tactical manager. I think we're really looking for somebody who who's inspirational, who who's a real natural leader, 
Um, there's, there's a lot of names out there. Um, I also think it needs to be someone with a clear brand of football. Somebody who can buy into how we want to play football. We've spoken about we want to play a 4-3-3. Interestingly, um, it's what Ross Wilson said he recruited Geo for because he plays the same formation that, that, that we want to play. I don't think we've seen that. So there's a lot of names out there. Um, I think I think the one um, that interests me is Nutson, that's uh, Bodo Glimt. Um, I think his brand of football is very good. He's won two league titles recently over in Norway. Um, I, I like the look of him. Um, he's, he's he's never managed outside of Scandinavia. And that's the risk. Is he another Ronnie Dyla? And I think that's the thing. Is every manager is going to be a risk. It's also going to take us millions of pounds to get rid of Gio. You know, it's probably going to cost a region of £5 million to get rid of Gio, his backroom team, and then bring somebody else in. And, and something that's just niggling away at me just now as well is if you gave Gio that £5 million to go and sign a centre mid that plays alongside John Lindstrom, is that the difference that we're, we're lacking? So I'm, I'm really in offence, but for me, it's, it's someone like Knutson um, Bielsa has been named. Um, Bielsa clearly ticks a lot of boxes. He's, he's, he's another inspirational guy that I've spoken about. He's got a clear brand of football. Um, but there's a lot of people that, that favour a British manager that, that wants somebody that knows the game, that knows Rangers. Um, and a lot of people are pointing towards Sean Dyke, um, who was formerly at Burnley. Um, and whilst I thought he'd done a very, very good job at Burnley, um, to go from Giovanni van Bronckhorst, who, who has such a high pedigree in the game, to someone like Sean Dyche, you know, I think I think you might get him... Uh, I think I think someone like Sean Dyche might get the best out of players and get a reaction from the players, but I'd, I'd question whether he has the same global appeal that Gerard had, that Gio has, for example, whether we'd be able to strengthen on the Sean Dyche brand, for example. So I don't know is the honest answer, Colin, um, but I think... As it's been said, I think it's sooner rather than later with uh, with Gio's departure. And I really hope that Ross Wilson, if he's still here, um, is working his way through a list and, and sounding out candidates as we speak ready for, for that time because we can't have another period where you've got BT managers running a team get into, get into Hamden like we had last season against Hibs. Ryan, I mean, the, the, I, I want to talk about the supporters now. So, that I mean... What it was about a toxic, toxic atmosphere at Ibrox yesterday, you know, as I said earlier, there was a few empty seats to start feeling that the majority have pumped against Gio and, and want him out. But I, I want to sort of ask, is that valid? You know, is that an overreaction is, 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 is what I'm trying to ask. Because I was looking at the form table today, Livingston are front in the form table, so... You could argue that it was always going to be a difficult game yesterday. Celtic struggled to beat Hearts yesterday. They're currently second bottom in uh, the form table at the moment. They've won one game in their last six. Yeah, you know, they struggled. You know, we've, we've seen enough of Gio. You know, he's got to say a European final. He won as a Scottish Cup for the first time in a number of years. I, I, I just wonder, is that an overreaction? And, and also, when, it, when I think historically, you know, precedent is sacking managers and all that kind of thing. You know, my first Rangers manager was John Gregg. I mean, he never won the league title for five years. Do you know what I mean? And, and there was never a, really any talk of him getting sacked uh, at that time. You know, I, I saw somebody going on yesterday saying this is the worst run of results the Rangers team's ever had and the guy still kept his job. And I mean, stuff like that is just absolute nonsense. I mean, Alex McLeish in 05, 06 went six league games without a win. 
you know, I mean, we've, we've been through worse periods than this and we've not sacked the manager. So is, is it an overreaction? Because at the end of the day, you know, yesterday was a bad one. The other drop points, the other draw we had at Easter Road, you could argue that was down to poor refereeing, but Willie call him that day. You know, I think we I think we get the three points that day if he doesn't send Lundstrom off. The injury list, all that kind of thing. Are we just overreacting at the moment because there's this perception that we're struggling, we're getting, you know, pumped in Europe at the moment and we've, we've had such a good run in Europe of, of late. Okay, one thing I, I, I can't defend you on is, is the, the two thumpings against Celtic. But when you put the whole picture together, I, I just wonder if it's as bad as what people are making out, particularly the results. I know performances are bad, but but is it as bad as what people are making out? I think there's a lot of things that go into it for me. I think managing any of the, the old firms sort of a different beast than if you're managing, let's say, Chelsea down south, being that, you know, if Chelsea lose two out of five games, nobody's calling for a manager to be sacked because they know that their rivals round about them have got as much chance of dropping points whereas up here if we lose two out of five games you know the form the other half of the city are on we can't guarantee they're going to be dropping points anytime soon so it's you're playing under a completely different level yeah. of pressure and to my mind it's completely unique I, don't, I can't think of any other league where it's a complete two horse race where if one side drops points it's it's almost seen as a crisis and I think that's the kind of level your press- of pressure you're playing under. And I think it just makes it for a really unique situation where if you're on the outside looking in, you probably look at our form and you think, you know, what's all the crisis about? They're only four points behind, you know, the next round of the cup. All right, they're getting beat in Europe, but, you know, possibly we might have expected to struggle there this season. But I think a lot of people from the outside looking in probably would be thinking, you know, where's the crisis? But if you're actually in it, and, you know, we are so hungry for success. We're used to success now. In the kind of age of social media, when you're talking about Alex McLeish going six games without a win, that just wouldn't happen nowadays, you know. In terms of the social media side of it, you know, the, the kind of mood of the fans would be completely different mm-hmm. in terms of calling for managers to be sacked now. It's just, it's a totally different time now. So I think on one hand, you can say, yes, it's potentially an overreaction. When you look at the bare facts of the form and that we're only four points behind, you know, there's plenty of opportunity to turn that around. We still need to play them another three times. Um, they've still got to go to, you know, other tough grounds in the league. We've still got the kind of World Cup break to come up, which kind of nobody's really sure about how that might impact the season in terms of the injuries that could bring. If, you know, they come back and they don't quite hit the form that they've been in, all that sort of stuff, we get players back so we start hitting a bit of form hopefully and that could change things but when you're actually watching the games and you're seeing the performances that we are putting in I go back to what I said before I don't see how you can take go from that level of performance to where we need to get to it needs a massive upturn and that's what I think where a lot of the fans are coming from in terms of them wanting a change I don't think we should lump all of this just on Geo, you know, there, there, there are there are other people involved in this. I think one we need to look at is Ross Wilson. Uh, you know, as I say, Geo's getting a lot of criticism and a lot of it's merited, especially when it comes to the performances. Uh, but you would have to say that the, the recruitment at this particular moment in time, it looks like our January business has been nothing short of shambolic, really. So when you look at the players that have come in, Davies, he's now starting to have an impact. Yilmaz, Barely seen him, you know. I, th- I think Wednesday night was the first time we'd, we'd really seen him. 
Matondo has been really, really poor. Cholak's obviously been a success. Lawrence injured, looked like he was going to be a success. Suter injured. Tillman looks like he's you know a good player and and it looks to me like he, 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 he could play at a very high level, but quite young. Looks like he's got, as we said earlier on, the heart of a mouse at the moment and just, just not quite grasping the Scottish game. You know, the, the, they've all came in. Only really Cholak has, has made an impact, actually, which is which is poor. You know, when you consider the, the huge profits that they made uh, from the sales of Aribo, uh, Bassey, Nathan Patterson... And when you consider, you know, Gio got us to the Champions League and the money that came in from that, you know, you would really question, you know, A, did we spend the money that, that, that came in wisely? And B, did, did we spend enough of that money? Because I would argue, I think we all expected maybe one or two more to come in when, when we secured the Champions League and, and, and that didn't happen. So, you know, you, I think Ross Wilson comes into the spotlight here. Big question marks over, you know, in terms of the business out in the summer, Superb, you know, the amount of money that's come in and maybe that's what's, you know, the, the club are looking at at the moment, you know, that's what's making them happy. But in terms of the players that have came in, you know, the clocks go back next week and really only one of them's had an impact. Yeah, we're being accused of all sorts in the um, in the thread just now because we, we are defending Geo. But I think when we're defending Geo, it comes with, it comes with context. And for me, a huge amount of context comes with, um, with the cards that he's been dealt both in terms of the injuries we've spoken about, but the signings that he's been given this summer have not been good enough. You know, you've mentioned some of the players. Um, they're calling. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I've got some notes here. I'm going to just read through some of the notes. So Saturday's team included a 40-year-old goalkeeper, a 37-year-old central midfielder, and a soon-to-be uh, 34-year-old centre mid at right wing. You know, for all the criticism of Mark Allen, who was Ross Wilson's predecessor, seven of that starting 11 were signed by Mark Allen. And I think that, that tells tells its own story around the quality of recruitment. Um, since Ross Wilson came in, we've spent over £23 million on players. £11 million of that was on um, was this summer. And we'll come on to the board in a second and whether we, we think that the board have backed Geo, um, especially after the European run, qualification for the Champions League. The record sales that we've had in Patterson, Aribo and, um, and Bassi that's still a lot of money for Rangers to, to, to be spending. Um, we've got £8 million worth of talent that, that hasn't really kicked the ball this season, um, or hasn't, um, when it comes to Hadji. Roof's now coming back in. Um, add in John Suter. We've got so many players just on the sidelines through injury. We've apparently ring-fenced £10 million worth of um, investment from this season to sign uh, James Sands and, and Malik Tillman permanently in the summer. Um, I think I mentioned it before when when when, uh, when Liverpool came to to Ibrooks, both of those players sat on the bench and didn't get any game time. So, you know, ten million pounds a lot of money. Well, I'm sure we'll talk at a later date around whether we would sign Sands or Tillman, but this is a lot of money that's being ring fenced or has been spent on on the players, um, and the squad isn't good enough. Um, and you just need to look at the existing squad as well. You've got eight players out of contract in the summer. Two of them are key assets in, in Kent and Morelos. Um, I've seen Stephen Clifford from Four Lads Had a Dream today say that um, our wage bill is currently £5 million a season over our budget. So, you know, for me, there's a lot wrong with our squad right now. A hell of a lot. It's almost a perfect storm right now with, with fingers getting pointed at various places. But for me, with 23 players being signed under uh, Ross Wilson, 
and only a handful actually being being successful. I think a lot of them are getting pointed at Ross Wilson right now. And I think if if you are talking about sacking people, which is never nice, and we don't want to see anybody lose their job, if, if fingers are being pointed at Geo, I think there's some serious conversations to be had about Ross Wilson. I mean, the, the board as well, you know, when you consider, you know, things like Majors, an absolute farce. You know, we're releasing four kits a season, absolute farce. Sixty pounds, sixty. I think I was sixty-two pound when you could you included the uh, the fee that comes along with buying your tickets. Sixty-two pound for Champions League tickets. You know, supporters have been asked to to put in a lot. I mean, there isn't a day goes by when I don't get an email from Rangers offering to sell me something. It's just constant castor this, castor that, blah blah blah. Buy a brick. All the all the usual stuff, and, and obviously a couple of seasons ago we were asked to put our hands in our pockets for for the COVID season when we knew we weren't getting access to the ground. I bought my two season tickets, you know, and I know I, I don't want to be overly critical of the board because when you consider where we were and what they've done, you know, it's 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 difficult to to be too critical. But they are taking the piss, I think, when it comes to you know, extracting money for us. And you would have to argue, what are we getting back from that right now? You know, I, 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 in terms of, I had a real issue with Gio in his press conference in the Champions League, given it, you know, well, we, we simply can't compete at this level. You know what I mean? That, that's just the way it is. And I'm thinking, well, you're bored of charging me £62 to come and watch this, for fuck's sake. I don't want to see my manager telling me we can't compete at this level when the guys that employ you are charging me £60 to come and watch it. So, yeah, they do deserve a bit of criticism in this, I think. You know, I, I don't think this is just all on Geo. We know there's problems. We know he's, you know, the the the, 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 the type of performances and the, the brand of football that he's playing is dire. But I don't think it's just all on him. You know, we've looked at Ross Wilson and the board as well. You know, it's some of the stuff, I, I just find it farcical and so frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I think, to be honest, there's culpability in this, you know, to go all round, to be honest, right from the top, right down to Geo. It's not just one person. It's a failure at all levels, to be honest. Um, I think we said it when they released the fourth kit and when they priced the Champions League ticket, it was said on the on the pod that they were, they were taking the piss and, and we all kind of agreed with that. And, you know, if you're asking supporters to put in all that money, and let's be honest, Rangers fans do, Rangers fans buy all the merch, you know, anything where Rangers badge on it, you know, fans will buy it, they know that, they take advantage of that, and they know they'll sell it, and, you know, right now we're not, you know, we're not getting back what we would expect in terms of on the park, you know, everybody hoped when we qualified for the Champions League that we would go and invest some of that money into the team, we didn't do it in the last days of the transfer window when it was glaringly obvious that there was holes in that team that needed that needed filling and we, we chose not to do it for one reason or another and you know, that was another disappointment and then, you know, they're again asking us to fork out more money for strips and, and what have you and it's all these things get magnified when performances on the pitch aren't what they should be and when results are starting to take a turn for the worst. It's just, you know, good results will kind of paper over any cracks and right now the results and the performances are poor so all these kind of issues are getting magnified and getting talked about but there's absolutely, you know, responsibility on on all of the, the board and all the kind of senior management 
team at the club on this. It's not just Gio and his staff. It's it's everybody. To be honest, they all need to kind of be taking a bit of a look in the mirror and saying, right, what can what can I do to improve things? What you know, what changes can I make to improve things? And I'd hope they are doing that because they they, they need to. Dougie, how 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 you think how do you think this is going to play out? Because uh, again, going back to the preview show on Friday. Uh, myself and Craig were talking and, and, and we were sort of saying, you know, the World Cup's coming up, five games or something like that. We're obviously struggling at the moment, form-wise, we've got a few injuries. Just win those five games, you know, they're, they're, it's five fixtures that are winnable. Just do everything you can to win those games, get to this break and then, you know, gives us a chance to get players back, take stock and, and, and see where we can go from here. First game, drop points, all that kind of thing. And, you know, we're talking earlier on about the fans are turning. We are getting stuck on the chat because we're, 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 we're even suggesting that maybe it's, you know, we're not even defending Gio. We're just, you know, look, looking at it from a, a broader perspective. But how do you think this plays out? Because if I'm being honest, I'd, as I said earlier on, I'm not convinced by Gio, but I'm not quite sure we're at the point of, of sacking him yet. But I, I, I genuinely don't think the board are anywhere near sacking this guy. I think it's going to take a, a huge collapse before before we get there. I see a lot of talk online about, well, is he going this week? Is he going next week? I, I, I genuinely wonder if we're there yet because I think he's, he's, you know, he's bought a lot of air miles with the European final. He's bought even more air miles with the Champions League uh, qualification and, and getting the money in. I genuinely think the board are going to give this guy time. I, th- I certainly think they're going to give him till at least the World Cup and, and and, and after th- and after that break, how do you see it going? I think Gio learned goodwill with the likes of the European run. I think the board will understand the context of the, the high injury list. Um, but it's what I said earlier on. Um, it's the fans that will will dictate the future of of Giovanni van Bronckhorst. And I, I was with you. I listened to the, the the preview pod as well, Colin. And like Brian said, I, I agreed with you in terms of. The performances have been poor, but whilst we're still getting results and we're still in touching distance, you can't sack a manager with the record that Gio has. You know, he's got a better record. You know, we're sitting in a better position this season than we are last. I think we all knew that Champions League was going to be tough, but I think the Champions League um, hidings that we've we've been given is is what's is what's pushing it over the edge just now. I think a lot of fans are are not happy at the the embarrassment of of seven one in their own backyard against against Liverpool, for example. So for me. Um, I was agreeing get get to the the winter break get to the World Cup um, hopefully with maximum points we're in the, the Cup semi-final we can go out of Europe as far as I care we've got our money from the Champions League focused domestically focus on the league so I was with you get to, get to the World Cup maximum points and then um, hopefully see some, some signings in January but between now and then there's a lot of domestic football to be played um, Aberdeen's huge I'm not understating Aberdeen. Um, the Aberdeen game, I think if, if if we get beat against Aberdeen, I think that could be it because it's at Ibrooks. It's a it's a rivalry. Um, it's on the back of a poor Dundee game, um, a poor result against Livy, um, an expected hiding in Naples, <laughs> an expected hiding in Naples. Who have yeah. Roma? Um, I see in the thread. Um, I think if we go and get beat against Aberdeen. I think you mentioned Ibrooks being toxic um, against Livy. I think Ibrooks will be murder um, against Aberdeen, and I think um, I think the Ibrooks fans will, will will potentially force the hand. 
And as I said earlier on, it'll be a sad day because, um, you know, Will's done a lot of criticism in the chat tonight about Gio. <coughs> Excuse me. He's delivered the best moment of my life. Um, you know, Stuart has set up a brilliant new website. Uh, if you've not seen it yet, check out the website. But he asked us all to do a bio and he asked us all to um, to give our favourite Rangers moment. And I think half of us all said the, the route to Seville and the Leipzig game in particular. So it's sad that we're in this position. You know, I mentioned already about um, about Gerard's time at the club and the reason why Gerard left. Gerard wasn't backed in the summer, but Gerard wasn't backed because he didn't deliver. He didn't get Champions League football. He, he his team failed to beat a ten man Malmo. Gio, for me, has taken us to a European final. He has he's he's earned good grace by getting us to the Champions League. He's he's deserved to have more money spent to strengthen this team. If he can get to January unscathed, then I would like to see you spend some money. You know, I've seen somebody in the, 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 the chat mention some names. We were linked with the likes of Nicholas Raskin in the summer um, as a potential box-to-box central midfield player. <coughs> Excuse me. Nicholas Raskin's out of, out of contract in the summer of 2023. We may see us go back in for players like Nicholas Raskin in January and pick them up for um, for more affordable pricing more in our um, price range I think if we can we can sign the right players in the right positions in January and it's a team that Geo buys into and they buy into Geo, then anything can happen you know we mentioned drop points earlier on I think there's still a lot of points to be won and lost in this league but right now as I'm sitting here I don't, can't even remember what day we're at I don't have a watch on I currently as things stand don't think that we'll win the league under Geo. And whilst other supporters have that that feeling and that fear, I can't see him. I can't see him finishing the season as Rangers manager. What about yourself, Brian? I mean, you, you were you were saying earlier on that you, you can't see him bridging the gap from where we are at the moment to, to where we need to be. Uh, uh, do you see him getting any long, any more time, or do you think like do get the end of the week if, if we get beat off Aberdeen? You know that that will prompt the, the board to, to take some action I'm, I'm a bit kind of in two minds about it I kind of agree with you Colin that I don't get the sense of this board are anywhere near sacking him I don't get the sense of this board they've got the kind of ruthlessness you need to sack a manager when if you're from the outside looking in you could make the argument that it's an overreaction but I also agree with again that that Aberdeen game is huge and what I don't want to happen is I don't want to see scenes that we've seen at Villa with the fans singing out of our club I don't want that for you I would rather if they're going to do it do it now I don't want them to wait until fans are actively calling for them to be sacked or singing songs about out of our club I don't think Rangers fans would do that but I don't want to see that I don't you know Gio's got a great legacy as a player here I don't want him to tarnish that because things get too civil. So for me, I would rather they act quickly and they act decisively. It might not be a nice thing to do. Nobody ever wants MD to see them to see MD lose their job. But for me, sitting here right now, much like Dougie, I just can't see them getting the improvement out of those players that we need to get to to win the league. Yeah. Strange times when you consider where we were in May, you know what I mean, that we're sitting here having this conversation. And even where we were in August, uh, you know, qualifying for the Champions League and stuff like that, it's it's surreal, but I mean, there's no doubt that uh, results, as I said, I don't think are, are that bad. Uh, but the performances, the level of the performances are 
it, it feels like the fag end of Alex McLeish's reign to me. You know what I mean? We were watching some proper shite football at that stage as well. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where we end up. I'd, all I know is I can't watch much Mary, which is getting served up white. You know what I mean? It, it, it's pretty grim. Uh, before I uh, just quickly go on and have a wee look at the, the, the Napoli game, I uh, need to mention our other partners at Zenith Coins. Uh, who produce the official Rangers Club coin. Uh, each gold-plated coin has a unique serial number engraved on the outer rim uh, and it comes complete with a Rangers presentation box and certificate of authenticity. Uh, a host of famous fans, including Alan McCoy, Steny Johnson, Marvin Andrews, Tom Stoltman, Gordon Ramsay, all in one of these collections. Zenith has also produced a 150th uh, anniversary collection, which is limited to 1,872 sets worldwide and are being released in small batches. We celebrate five iconic milestones of Rangers history, uh, which include the Founding Fathers, Ibrook Stadium, uh, the Cup Winners' Cup in 1972, nine in a row, and 55 league titles. Uh, if you're looking for more information on that, uh, get yourself onto the website at www.zenithcoins.com uh, and use discount code GN10. Uh, right, guys, just a quick sort of wrap-up in terms of uh, Wednesday night uh, we're off to Naples and, and Napoli and uh, I mean Brian it's been a uh, I mean uh, when, when I think back uh, you know Forfers and Annans and all that kind of stuff you know the Champions League was just like a, a, an ultimate dream you know never going to get that again and we have got it again and it's turned out to be a bit of a nightmare I, I've, I've got to be honest with you I'm kind of scunnered with it already it's just became I know we get the money out of it and all the rest of it but and we've seen some great teams at Ibrox, you know, Napoli and, and Liverpool. But it's, I'm just getting a bit scared of it, to be honest with you. It's just, it's not what we were hoping for. And it's, it's almost becoming like a, a chore, if you know what I mean. I'm looking at Wednesday night thinking, oh, I'm going to have to watch this game, you know what I mean? Uh, so how are you feeling? Uh, I'm much the same. To be honest, my only hope is probably not for this season. I think this season in Europe's gone for us unfortunately but my only hope is that in much the way Club Bruges have that we take this experience and we learn from it and we say right you know okay Champions League didn't go our way in any shape or form this season but we still want to be back there next season the players I hope have got that hunger to be back there next season and learn from this experience and improve on it um, you only get better by playing these teams and yeah we might need to take, take a few beatings along the way but I'm kind of clinging on to hope that out the back of this, the players will learn from it and we can, in season's time, kind of, you know, compete a bit better in the Champions League and we won't feel as out of our depth. Um, but as for Wednesday night, I think it's going to be a difficult tie. That's always, I think, Napoli are one of the form teams in Europe um, just now. So it's it's a massive task. And you know, and officially, no away support either, as well. Which I mean, I know there'll be some players out there, but officially, there won't be. Yeah, I think that just makes it makes it all the more difficult, doesn't it? Um, you've just kind of got to hope that the players go out there with the attitude of like, we've kind of let's just give it all, give it our all, put everything on the line, and just you know, try our best to, to get something. But it is going to be a, a mammoth task, to say the least. Okay, I mean. Uh, 
compared to the previous sort of three or four years, you know, in, in, in the Europa League where, you know, we've had some great nights which, which culminated in, in reaching the final last year. It's all came to a shuddering halt this season. And, and as I say, it's starting to feel like a bit of a chore. Is that how you're feeling about Wednesday? Yeah, but, uh, you know, I was going to mention Club Bruges as well, Brian. Um, I mentioned it in one of the, the pods that I was on after a European game. I think it might have been after the Liverpool game where, where I spoke about, um, you know, we, we had to make the step up to the Champions League to, to, to move away from being a Europa League team. You, you see USG and, and PSV doing well in the Europa League this season after we knocked them out to get to the Champions League. And I think that's the, the difference in level between the Champions League and the Europa League. It's a huge step up. And I think if we wanted to, to improve year on year, we, we, had to, we had to face the Champions League and, and get the money. And we need to do it consistently, as Brian said, like Club Bruges have done five out of six years. They are now sitting top of their group. Um, that's what we need to do. We need to take some of the the pumpings um, that we've had this season. But, you know, after I made the comment about um, Gio delivering some of the best moments, I've seen some comments about he's also delivered some of the worst. Um, you know, Liverpool 7-1 at Ibrooks. We've never conceded seven goals at Ibrooks before. So that's that's an embarrassment. It's it's a low point. Um, but I think getting into to the game against Napoli, I think it was summed up perfectly by, by one of our listeners, CGM55, when he says, Napoli away gives me the absolute fear. And, and that's how I'm feeling right now. We go over to Naples and um, it's actually on this day that we drew nothing each um, against Barcelona under Walter Smith. That's what we need to hope for. <coughs> Excuse me. We need to, we need to not be so open. Um, we also need to not chuck it. You know, if we, if we do concede a couple of goals um, against Napoli and we are behind, we cannot chuck it because that's what we've been doing. Um, in Europe, when we, we, we can see the goals against Liverpool, a, a few heads went down and we stopped trying. We need to make sure that we do fight for the full 90 minutes so that it's not an embarrassing scoreline. And that, for me, is all I could hope for um, from midweek. Napoli are the on-form team. They're, they're top of the group for a reason. Um, I highly doubt we'll get anything. The dream would be to get a point. That means that you get Ajax back to Ibrox in the last, last group game with a fighting chance of making the Europa League. Um, sitting here right now, I have zero confidence in any any um, you know um, anything to play for in that last game against Ajax, and um, it's sad because, as you said, Colin, as supporters, we've paid a lot of money for these games. There's some supporters that have paid seventy two pounds to go and see Rangers versus Ajax at Ibrooks, and if we don't get the right result against Napoli, it's, it's going to be a dead rubber. Yeah, aye, an interesting week ahead uh, uh, and I think we'll call time there. So a big thanks to, to Dougie and Brian for their contributions there tonight. Uh, great stuff as always. Uh, we were live tonight, guys, uh, as some of the the comments <laughs> suggested. Uh, we were live tonight, but the pod will be available to download and stream on a variety of platforms from tomorrow, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher, Spotify, your usual places. Uh, I think myself and Eck are going to try and get something out through the week for the Napoli game. Uh, and obviously we'll have the show next Sunday night uh, looking at the Aberdeen game. In the meantime, get yourself onto the Jersnet website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. Guys, a bit tough just now, but you know, we soldier on and keep going and you never know. Okay, and so until next time, bye for now.